I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. Sunrise, sunset. It's one of the most beautiful and powerful songs ever to grace Broadway. Sunrise, sunset. It's from a show called Fiddler on the Roof. Sunrise, sunset. Swiftly fly the years. It's about a man and a woman trying to come to grips with the changes that have taken place during their lives. Sunrise, sunset. A beginning and an end. But I sometimes wonder what happened in between, you know, the sunrise and the sunset. What, what went on at lunchtime? Sunrise, sunset, swiftly fly the years, one season following another, laden with happiness and tears. There was a sunrise in my life a very long time ago. My dad took me to Madison Square Garden in New York for some kind of exhibition. And part of the exhibition was a Piper J3 Cub, a yellow fabric airplane. You've seen them, or you've seen pictures of them anyway. It was just like the ones that I used to see flying over the house in Brooklyn. I think I was five years old. Dad picked me up, put me in the cockpit, and I very clearly remember that my eyes felt like about 30 pounds each. They got so big. It was the beginning, the sunrise of my life as a pilot. Sunset came yesterday. Ah, but lunchtime between the sunrise and the sunset was very good. Starting out, when we lived on Long Island all those years ago, I used to take my lady wonder wench to the airport for lunch at the diner. And, you know, we could have lunch and, and watch the planes come and go. And one day she said, come on, let's go into the office. I said, why? Two blue eyes just looked up at me and smiled. So, okay, you know, we went into the office. She went over to the guy behind the counter and she said, here he is. She had signed me up for an introductory flight. And I remember thinking, wow, never thought this would happen. It was in a little two-seat Piper Tomahawk. And the flight instructor checked to be sure that I had the seat buckle tight and the door was latched. And then he said, this knob is the throttle. Push it all the way in and don't forget to steer with your feet on the pedals. And when the airspeed indicator says 55, ease back on the wheel. You gotta be kidding, I thought, but he wasn't. So I did. The engine started singing and I started steering with my feet. The needle hit 55, I eased back on the wheel and I was flying, me, flying. (laughs) Until you do it, you can't possibly understand how that feels. It was only supposed to be an introductory flight, but I remember thinking how much I'd like to try it again. And the kids had all left home, and there wasn't any real reason not to try it again, so I did. And after about 14 hours of trying it again, the flight instructor got out of the plane, and he said, fly it around the airport and land it yourself. So I did. First solo. I loved it. Sunrise had turned into lunchtime. What a meal it has been. Thank you.
Dick's Details, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping your feet on the ground out the other ear and you can ease back on the wheel and go flying wherever you like in your imagination. I'm sure you've heard wine lovers say this wine has good legs. I finally figured out what that means. See, most wine is made from grapes that are harvested by machines that cut through everything in their path including sticks, insects, <laughs> small animals, and whatever else happens to be standing around. That stuff is known to wine growers as MOG, M-O-G, material other than grapes. Of course, M-O-G could also stand for, mother of God, I think I just tasted a hoof. And that's what wine lovers mean when they say, this wine has good legs. <laughs> if the answer is just pass some gas, what is the question? The answer is just pass some gas. What is the question? You don't know, do you? Of course not. I haven't told you yet, but I will in a minute. Next time you get stuck talking with a very boring person at a party. In my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, available at Amazon.com, the head guy of my Louie Louie generation, Big Louie himself, says, next time you get stuck talking with a very boring person at a party, keep calm and just ask that boring person to call you on your cell phone so you can check reception. When your phone rings, you cover the mouthpiece and you say to the guy, excuse me, I have to take this call. <laughs> Everyone with an earshot will take a couple of steps back away from you. The Bible, it is said, is the most shoplifted book in America. Well, at least that means the right people are getting it. Okay, if the answer is pass some gas, the question is, what is the quickest and easiest way to stop people from talking about you behind your back? Just pass some gas. <laughs> it works especially well if you give a little toot in the process. And then you look innocent. Takes the tails. They take your mind off your mind. A little housekeeping here. If you like these podcasts or the spoken word CDs at DickSummer.com, or my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, available on Amazon.com, shameless plug. Please tell a couple of friends, because they might like them too, and you'll be doing me a favor. So thank you. Sunrise, sunset, and lunchtime in between. What a lunchtime I've had between my flying sunrise and yesterday's sunset. My lady wonder wench and I flew to visit friends and relatives in different states, often. Our tall son, Eric, flew the bumpiest flight of my life one very windy day when his sister, Chris, was about to give birth up in Massachusetts. We have seen rainbows from up on top, fireworks, too, and flying over Manhattan at night. And one night, there was the city of Boston silhouetted against a brilliant full moon. There's a story about flying at night, and my love comes when you least expect it, spoken word CD goes like this. There's nothing out there but the midnight, as far as you can see. The altimeter hands point to 10,000 feet, but it might as well be 10,000 miles. An occasional star pops through the broken layer of clouds above, but the layer below is solid. There's hardly any outside perspective at all except the single-engine growl of my airplane. You don't know if you should feel 
big or small, old and beautiful or young and ugly. Only the instruments can tell if you're right side up, and they sometimes lie. But the only feeling here is that I am absolutely alone. Under the clouds, there are touch-me looks flicking across rooms, private words purring in velvet places, supple leather, black lace, and soft lips coming undone for careful fingertips and uncareful words. Telephones are cradled on naked shoulders, and the night is flexing with lovers moving together in the dark. Babies are crying. People are taking each other's lives, earning or losing each other's trust, and trying to deal with being alone. We always meant to make love here, two miles above the city. We were going to take a summer and fly all the way across the country, stopping to eat at small town diners and sleeping under the wing. We were going to always be in love, but someone taught us both that there are rules that we must follow, as if life were some kind of baseball game. But you only get one strike this season. And the first time you touch a member of the other team with your naked body, for any reason, you're gone. Is that how the rule reads, my love? Was I out as soon as I touched her, or was it as soon as I took pleasure in the seduction? Would I have been safe if I hadn't enjoyed it, or? If at least one of us had been wearing a more proper uniform, could you have looked the other way if her lips had been a little cooler? Exactly what was it that I did with her that got me ejected from the game? Every game has its limits. Nine innings, three outs. But only one mortal sin, and you're gone. I have loved you all of the days of my life, and all but one of the nights. You don't want to send me away, but that's the way your rulebook reads. And so I must leave you as I have loved you. And I have loved you, not perfectly, but well. And so I will leave you all the rest of the days of my life, and all but one of the nights. It may be tomorrow. It may be next year. It may be a decade or two. But one night, when touch-me looks are flickering across rooms, private words are purring in velvet places, supple leather, black lace. And soft lips are coming undone for careful fingertips. One night, when babies are crying, people are taking each other's lives, and I am still trying to deal with being without you. Then listen, my love, 
for a single engine airplane growling two miles up in the clouds. And you and I will love just one more night. reasons that you might hear a small plane flying at night. Lots of times those planes are carrying canceled checks or pilots with canceled love affairs. And sometimes pilots go flying at night just for the joy of it or the challenge of the danger. One dark night over Long Island Sound, some of my instruments went out and it was completely dark. There was no light. My lady was with me and she knew something was terribly wrong. When we landed safely, she just said, yeah, at least we could have gone together. <laughs> it's one reason why she really is my lady. called Night Flight. It's one of the chapters in My Love Comes When You Least Expect It, spoken word CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you're curious about the rest of the story, just go back to DickSummer.com. Check out the Love Comes When You Least Expect It icon on the homepage. My friend Joe Godavage went flying with me one day a long time ago. It was before he lost his battle with cancer. We took off into some fog and we came out on top, there was a rainbow waiting for us. And Joe said, oh my God, and he was right. You can't imagine how sweet it can be flying over holiday traffic and they're banging and screaming down on the highway there in their cars while you're all comfortable and happy sitting up there in your own little airplane. When the kids were little, they all went flying with me around the pretty lady in New York Harbor and they smiled and waved at her, I swear. I think she smiled back. The aircraft carrier Intrepid is docked not far from where she sits. Intrepid was the recovery carrier for the Mercury and Gemini space flights. And I have always marveled at the skill of the Navy pilots putting their planes down on a tossing, heaving carrier deck. Our granddaughter Cassie went flying with us out to Block Island one day when she was just a little kid. We flew over the island, and she couldn't get over how it looked from the air. So when we landed, she jumped up and down a couple of times on the ground. She said she wanted to see if it would sink into the ocean. Then there was a peaceful Connecticut Sunday morning, clear and bright. I took off over a church with a white steeple. I could hear the bells ringing. Oh, my God. When I got my instrument rating, I took some aerobatic training because flying on instruments can sometimes put an airplane into some kind of exciting attitudes that result in some painful G-forces. And I wanted to, you know, what, know what that was like and how to deal with it. 
You can very often see the wings vibrating under stress, under IFR conditions like that. And I remember very well how fast the world twirls around in a spin. On the morning of my second aerobatic lesson, when I got to the airport, Ziggy Floyer Schwager, the flight instructor, was lying on his back under the plane, putting duct tape on the fabric. I said, what are you doing, Ziggy? He said, I'm fixing some rips in the fabric. <laughs> I think I said gulp. <laughs> and there was a thunderstorm one day. It caught me on the way back from New England before there was in-flight weather available for small planes. I was in the clouds flying on instruments and the skies opened up. The lightning was blinding, the noise was awful, the wings were shaking. So I asked air traffic control for vectors to a different airport, which they gave me. And then they mentioned that there was a thunderstorm over that airport too. <laughs> they finally gave me vectors to Reading Airport where the thunderstorms hadn't arrived yet. You know, there is a genuine brotherhood among pilots. I'm only a private pilot with an instrument rating, but when my airline pilot friend Chuck Mayer invited my lady and me to his retirement party with all kinds of heavy-duty gold braid captains around, they made me feel like just one of the guys. It was good. Lunchtime since my flying sunrise has been beautiful. So, now it's time for the sunset. My lady and I have owned our airplane for more than 20 years. We call her Miss T because her registration numbers are N2203T. Miss T. She's taken good care of us for a long time. And now it's time for her to take care of some other people. We've given her to an outfit called Wings of Hope. They help feed hungry kids here in the United States, in Central America, and Africa. They sent their pilot, a guy named Don Honerkamp, for her. I gave him the keys and the logbooks this morning. He smiled. He said thanks. He started the engine, and it was beautiful. Miss T was singing her very familiar song. Don used his feet to steer to the runway, and he pushed the throttle all the way in. And When the airspeed indicator said 55, he eased back on the wheel and flew away. Sunrise sunset swiftly fly the years one season following another laden with happiness and tears watching him disappear into a cloud made my eyes feel like 30 pounds each again only this time I've got to admit things got a little blurry <laughs> Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths, come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.